It's been a long, harsh crypto winter. Let's take a deeper dive into the pitfalls and the possibilities of digital assets. I'm Dave Kendall. I'm a senior reporter and producer with the Bangkok Post, and I've been based in Thailand since 2005. On Deeper Dive, I take you beneath the surface of the big issues here in Thailand. Please share and follow this podcast, and you can watch the video version on Spotify. As I'm sure you know, all is not well in crypto land. We're still in the throes of the long winter that saw Bitcoin lose 65% of its value in 2022. We've seen the collapse of the Luna and Terra USD coins and the bankruptcy of Three Arrows, Celsius, FTX and BlockFi. Here in Thailand, the Zipnex exchange briefly halted some withdrawals in July 2022 and was later fined by the government. My guest today is Top Jirayut Sapsi Sopa, founder and CEO of the BitCup Group, Thailand's largest cryptocurrency exchange. In this wide-ranging interview, Kun Top remembers arguing with his parents about dabbling in what they and the Bank of Thailand thought was a Ponzi scheme back in 2013. He explains what's behind the wave of crypto bankruptcies, when he thinks the next boom will begin, and how you can stay safe in the crypto world, and much more. Later in the pod, we'll also find out what some of you guys think. If you find the whole blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency thing confusing, well, you're not alone. Very few people really understand how it works, which is kind of scary, but then not many people really understand how electricity works. I don't, but we still use it every day, right? So here's a super simple explanation of blockchain. And if you already know this, you can just critique how well I'm describing it. Say right now you own a house. How do you prove it? You have a physical title deed and there's a record of it in a government office. The problem with that is you or the government might lose your title deed. Or worse, the government office may tell you actually you no longer own it because of corruption or a government order or something else. And this does happen in many countries. With blockchain, the proof of your ownership is encoded in a digital file that no one can alter, not even you. That encrypted file is distributed across the internet. Now, if you want to sell your house, lots of different computers around the world are able to check to see if you're really still the owner, or if you've already sold it to someone else. It's a shared ledger. That file in the government office is now on different computers around the world, so no single person or authority can mess with it. So that's blockchain, and a cryptocurrency is just a unit of measure that uses that blockchain system to buy and sell and prove ownership. Does that make sense? I'll put links to better explanations in the show notes. Now, what you probably care more about is the seesaw value of cryptocurrencies. Are they a legitimate investment? And what can you do to take advantage of the opportunities without losing your shirt? So, let's meet the man behind Thailand's number one crypto exchange, BitCup. Kuntop, thanks for joining me here on Deeper Dive. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to found and be CEO of Thailand's largest cryptocurrency exchange group. 
Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here, uh, Dave, uh, today. My background, I've been in this uh, cryptocurrency space for nine years now. I started the very first Bitcoin wallet company back in 2013, uh, end of 2013, when nobody understood what, what Bitcoin was um, back then. There were no regulations. Um, the awareness of this technology is, is not as up to date as today. today. Um, and I started, uh, the first company was called coins.co.th. Uh, started from my parents' clothing shop. We, my parents run, run a very small SME like clothing store. Uh, we have a small factory, small shop in, in Purdue Nam Center uh, area in mm -hmm. Thailand, in Bangkok. And I used a spare room out of that clothing shop uh, in Purdue Nam to start my company on the second floor with a one person, one laptop, and gradually grew the company. And I remember running the company after a few, you know, eight months, maybe um, the Bank of Thailand issued a letter back then, a formal letter to all the commercial banks saying that Bitcoin could be a Ponzi scheme. The value could go to zero anytime, go anywhere near it. It was an official statement from the Bank of Thailand. Thailand. I still remember that, that, that official circulating letter. And my parents were worried because they sent me all the way to, uh, you know, to Oxford, a very good mm -hmm. university. So there were a, a lot of expectation on on me, on me, uh, on getting high paychecks like other colleagues or friends. But I was doing this thing that you know nobody understood what it was, and the Bank of Thailand was against it. Uh, so who who would my parents believe, right? A recently graduated son or, or the Bank of Thailand? So mm -hmm. we had a, a you know big fights, and after that, you know. Uh, we had to anti-money laundering officers reach out. Um, you know, nobody understood. We, people thought Bitcoin was a, you know, a money laundering Ponzi scheme, drug money, toy money. Don't go anywhere near it. That was the initial reaction. This is an amazing story because not only are you founding a new company in a completely new space you're getting resistance from your family and from the authorities. It must have been emotionally quite tough, right? Oh, yes. It was very, very painful. Uh, inflection point uh, was in on the 1st of April 2017. That's when uh, Japan announced Bitcoin was legal. So um, uh, everyone was, was a bit surprised and, and started to open up more about this technology and there's a big boom you know uh the, the the second boom we say in the industry when the bitcoin so your your timing was actually great because yeah that second boom was in the third and fourth quarters of 2017 right yeah when the bitcoin price went from six hundred dollars to twenty thousand dollars us dollars yeah um by the first first uh, january 2018 the bull run was uh, last for a year. I, I came into the space during the first boom. The eleven dollars went to up to one thousand one hundred fifty dollars, ten thousand percent in two thousand and thirteen, and built the company during the winter, the first ever winter, the crypto winter phase. And then we hit the growth uh, in the second boom in two thousand and seventeen. Um, but eventually, you know, Gojek acquired acquired the first company, um, Coins. Uh, and then I 
participated in the in the first ever SEC uh, fintech challenge. Uh, I I tried to create a stock exchange 2.0 where you can do instant settlement. And also there were a lot of press and interest in 2017-18. I think in that year I spoke more than 300 stages uh, wow. to educate the public on the potential blockchain technology. Um, and then after I realized that the new regulation is coming out, I started to fundraise, uh, and I was able to raise, you know, two point, uh, two point one million US dollars. And I used that two point one million dollars to acquire a small IT company and gathered uh, the people I know in the industry and turned that into a bit cup. And we have been growing at a thousand percent every year. Uh, uh, so far, and because it's been around for five years now, we have nine companies under our group, and one thousand employees, uh, and and profitable. Um, so we we did achieve miracles, uh, especially for for BitCup. Um, no other fintech companies are as profitable as our company ever in in, in Thai startup history, and. I know you can't comment directly on a competitor, but the partial asset freeze at the Zipmex exchange in 2022 caused panic among crypto investors here in Thailand, including, I imagine, among your customers. Can you just explain a little bit about what caused that freeze and how does BitCup guard against such an occurrence? Last year was a tough year. Um, mm. It was a a global winter because the the Federal Reserve uh, increased the interest rates, trying to bring inflation down, sucking up the liquidity, right? Um, and inflation was fifty year high, eight percent, nine percent inflation. Um, so it, it it must create problems, and especially in in the crypto space, we have double we call it double winter because of all these Luna happening early early on in the year. 2022 right um and then we have three arrows afterwards a dominoes impact and then and then uh, you know a few more and then at the end of the year we had this huge ftx um as another black swan event um so it caused panics uh globally not just in thailand and but the reason why BitCup is well protected is because we don't mess around with customers' money. It's supposed to keep one-to-one, dollar-to-dollar. You don't touch it. You leave it in a separate savings account. You can't even put them in a money market, right? There's no fractional reserve of crypto, no fractional reserve system of crypto. But other exchanges seem to violate that. So, um, you know, like FTX, you know, they leverage on customers money to do other things beyond uh, what is what what the, they're supposed to do so obviously those exchanges uh, are going to have issues because they don't you know uh, take good care of proper care of customers money um, that's why um, you know if you see globally the trend is clear we're moving towards a more regulated uh, space more regulated manner. Uh, in the past nine years, we, I, I can tell you there were two clear trends. The first trend was to move fast, break things, and then apologize later. All those, you know, non-regulated exchanges globally, worldwide. And then there is a second path where we 
we are more steady, you know, certain, we work closely with the regulators, we don't violate, you know, we comply, com fully comply with. And BitCup has been around for, for a long time. Like, I've been in this, in this space for nine years and, and all my customers know me very well since the first, mm. very first company. And, uh, and that's why they have a full trust in us because we don't, we we rather move slow and, and not violate and not cut it's important to not cut corners right in 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 the money business it's never worth it to cut corners it seems like a lot of corners have been cut though i mean there's still a lot of talk about some of the major stable coins about whether they're really uh backed one-to-one -one by real assets um so it seems like there's still a long way to go is that a fair comment Yes, uh, yeah, we have to understand that, you know, digital asset space, blockchain space, are operating in a free market mechanism. There is no like central bank stepping in and bailing out, you know, Credit Suisse and bailing, bailing out SVP uh, mm. mechanism in place. If there's a bank run, there's a bank run. Uh, there's a bank run. Nobody stops it. It's a, it's a free market mechanism. Um, so in a free market, uh, there'll be a natural selection happening. Like, you know, like DNA mutation. Uh, the strongest genes would survive in the long run. Same thing here. Uh, once the tide, I think Warren Buffett had, had a very good sentence, a statement, quote, quote here. When the tide goes away, you see those, you see those who are swimming naked, right? Something along right. those lines. Um, right. So it will self-select or there'll be a natural selection. and. Uh, the ones that are not doing things properly would fade away and and the ones that are strong you know they will become critical infrastructure for each country mm. now as we speak right now in march 2023 uh, silvergate bank is the latest company to go belly up do you expect more bankruptcies soon um everyone is leveraging on this fractional reserve system you put in a hundred dollars the banks only keep have the obligation has the, the obligation to keep only ten dollars they can lend out the 90 dollars of yours and they do this globally and when the, when people are panicking uh, they're going to withdraw cash imagine if warren buffett right elon musk uh bill gates walk to the same bank and they said i'm going to withdraw all my money today right. and banks are going to have enough liquidity to to give uh the you know the, their money back um, and that's what's what causes the the panic, right? Um, with the SBB bank run, um, Credit Suisse, they're leveraging. Uh, I think we need a stress test uh, and the capital ratio to to look at the cap capital ratio um, uh, more uh, strongly. For example, I think Thai banks are strong. Uh, we had a tough lesson in in the 1997 ASEAN crisis, Asian crisis, Tom Yam Gung crisis. Mm. And after that, Thai banks have been accumulating assets and have, have been accumulating capitals, capitals in, in the last 20 years. It's a solid building of cap, capital building for 20 years. And this is a very conservative approach of the capital ratio and stress test. Uh, so I don't think Thai banks would have issues, but globally, um, again, when the Fed is increasing the interest rates, that's when the tide goes away and you'll be seeing those 
who are swimming naked in same same logic with the traditional space as well so maybe there are a few more to come it seems like crypto fans kind of have mixed feelings about regulation about government regulation i mean on one hand they want the crooks to be caught and they want more stability in the space but on the other hand they they fear that the government is is stepping in on, on what should be a, a decentralized and independent entity and ultimately there's a lot of fears that really a lot of people in government want to see crypto die how do people view regulation in general is it automatically a good thing first of all we we have to understand that crypto cannot be dead fully or cannot be banned fully unless we shut down the internet which is not feasible right it's not it's not practical to shut down the internet so we have to live with with it um but we we have to talk about governance more and i think central bankers understand this too i they don't like crypto but they understand that we have to live with it and they started to not talk about about banning but they talk about governance globally right worldwide more and more so i think that's where the future is heading uh we will have a permissioned layer uh say regulated exchanges worldwide to put the kyc to map the kyc on the faces of the customers or the innovators so that we filter filter out the bad actors the crooks the scammers right uh it's quite a, a long way to go but we need to keyword here is that we need to strike the right balance between the two worlds the old world and world and the new world right. now progress towards that that regulated world it's not even across the world right i mean it it seems like in the us there's a bit of backsliding with the sec trying to introduce to to regulate crypto really because other sectors of the government haven't moved on it so it seems like the us is kind of backsliding but the eu and and maybe britain are moving forward tell me about thailand uh, are you how do you see the regulatory environment in thailand progressing and what changes would you like to see surprisingly you know thailand is one of the most advanced uh, when it comes to digital assets uh, regulations um for example even the bank of thailand they set up the uh, digital currency team in 2017 one of the i would say top 10 earliest central banks around the world and they're launching cbdcs this year central bank digital currency right uh, again one of the, the very first central banks in the world to to do this i would say thailand is is quite surprisingly quite uh, advanced when compared to uh, other countries and that's why you know cryptocurrency adoption per capita is quite high in thailand because we have a clear regulation before everyone else mm -hmm. does now you mentioned that the bank of thailand is developing a central bank digital currency a cbdc and let's talk about that because you know we've heard some of the advantages uh would be much faster transactions but The podcaster Crypto Casey and others have warned that while cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin provide privacy and independence from governments and the banking system, CBDCs could do the opposite. They could be a way for governments to control your personal finance with the ability to monitor all your transactions, restrict what you buy and where you buy it, 
uh, even just cut off your funds if they brand you a criminal or just a government critic. Is that a real danger with central bank digital currencies? Uh, those who treasure privacy, um, first of all, they will not use Bitcoin because Bitcoin is not completely anonymous. It's pseudonymous. Right? You get to at least see the direction, the uh, destination, uh, the flow of funds, but you just cannot map the face until the, that wallet is cashing out or cashing in on the regulated exchanges worldwide. So, but they will be using other coins. There are other instruments out there for privacy, but the mainstream people they will use they will use the main applications. Um, for example, CBDCs. It would allow. Uh, there's so many benefits, right, to moving money towards digital. First of all, we cannot keep killing trees and expect to reach net zero in 2030 worldwide. Um, so that's the main right sustainability impact, right? That's the one of the good thing about CBDC. Second thing is that there's no under the table transaction, you know, tax evasion, because everything would be transparent. You know, in the future, criminals would be would, would be using cash. Normal citizens would be using CBDCs, digital currencies, because cash is the easiest thing to launder money. Right? I can go to any corner on the of the street and give a, a paper note to anyone, and nobody can. It doesn't say on the paper note where who has owned this paper note before me. Right? Um, it's easy to launder, easiest to launder money. So criminals would be using paper cash in the future and normal citizens would be using CBDCs for transparency. Um, so government could also collect taxes, taxes properly, and there's, there'll be less corruption for sure because everything would be transparent, no under-the-table payments and nothing. Right? Mm. What about the dark side? What about the government being able to see exactly what you spend your money on and being able to control how much you spend, where you spend it, uh, you know, isn't this really the opposite of, of a cryptocurrency? It's this is a real big brother scenario, isn't it? No, no, because what's the difference now? I'm sure you you're using online banking applications or mobile banking service, right? Government knows everything, anyways. And I well, think but they they have to ask the bank to surrender that information. I mean, with a CBDC, the entire transaction. It would be much easier for the government to to monitor everything that someone has bought and sold and where they've done it. Statistically, if you look at Thailand, right, we have the highest yeah, mobile banking per capita in the world, right? A mobile transaction from banking applications, mobile banking. So clearly, this is not the concern for the Thai economy because um, government can can check everything, right? Like just a matter of if they want to check on particular accounts, right? Um, that's that's certain. And by the way, tax treaty. If you if you want to file, it, all the countries are signing the tax treaty, the interconnected uh, interconnected database globally. So um, uh, we're we're moving towards a more surveillance system worldwide. Um, those who tre treasure privacy would be using an open blockchain. Those who are, who are fully transparent, uh, they have nothing to hide. They would be using more convenient method, right? Uh, like uh, CBDCs or 
even mobile banking applications. Right? Let's talk about how quickly the mainstream financial community is embracing crypto. Um, it's important on several levels. One, of course, is the effects it would have on the price of Bitcoin and Ether. Uh, for instance, if the big institutional investors decided later this year to put a lot of their clients' money into crypto, presumably the price would go through the roof, right? There'll be more and more mainstream adoptions of Bitcoin. And uh, I think Bitcoin and Ethereum are becoming an asset class on its own now, especially uh, Ethereum, right? In 2017, it was just a, just a coin, but now Ethereum has built, uh, has a deep infrastructure and applications building on top that it is becoming an asset class on its own now, a different uh, status from 2017. And Bitcoin is already already becoming an asset class. Um, I would say if the traditional banking are not providing, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum as another uh, investment option uh, for diversification, uh, for diversification purposes, they will lose one third of their clients. I think the next boom would be driven by institutional money not just retail money right not like previous boom because to advance to progress has been happening to developments first uh, a clear regulation right mm. uh, institutional money cannot come in into a, a gray space so once regulations are fixed uh, standardized uh, global uh, you know worldwide recognition then uh, institutional m- money can come in and second is the infrastructure uh, advanced enough in terms of security? Because institutional money, uh, money uh, or institutional funds, they are investing on behalf of someone else. So they have to make sure that they have a place to keep their assets safe. Uh, and all the custodian services, infrastructure providers, they've been through big stress test, hacking and all these things in the past. Mm-hmm. So we're almost at the point where the two you know, the regulatory framework and a proper infrastructure are being ready, then huge money would come in, especially from the institutional money, institutional sector space. When when do you see that happening? Uh, in less than five years, our world is moving in, in an exponential manner. So I think I would be, I think a lot of people would be, would be surprised. At, I say five years, but a lot of people would be surprised at how fast the world moves. Okay, so it could be sooner. Let's talk more about security because in 2022, $3.8 billion of cryptocurrency was stolen by hackers, about half of them apparently working for the North Korean regime. How do hackers get hold of people's crypto and what can people do to protect themselves? You know, for traditional users, they need to you know practice better security protocols for example you should never use the same password as your birthdays or your phone number or i don't know the same password as your facebook account or you know two-factor authentication is also critical right yes two-factor authentication so i i would advise to have to use you know, applications like LastPass or Okta, uh, you know, LastPass, you can automate your password to 99 characters 
not just like 10 characters, like 99 characters, uh, they can generate an autofill for you and use the, you know, Authy or a Google Authenticator as a 2FA, as a second layer, right? Um, so I think most of the incidents were on the compromised level. It doesn't mean that there's a flaw in the system, right? Because it's a mostly user's error. Right? We call it compromised. But, but sure, um, there, then when there is a lot of money at stake, then there, there are huge, there's huge incentives for hackers to try to hack the system. Do you recommend cold storage wallets not keeping? Presumably, yeah. it's in your interest for people to keep their their crypto on BitCup, but it's generally advised that people don't do that because any exchange could be vulnerable. Yeah, no, no, no. I I even said that to to everyone, right? So if you want to keep long term, don't keep on the exchange, <laughs> don't keep online, right? Keep it, keep everything offline, much safer. So use like offline wallets, not online wallets. The there are companies that are providing hardware wallet wallets. You're talking about the cold storage wallets, such as Ledger, I guess. Yeah, there's, so there are a few brands out there uh, that provide hardware wallet um, devices for practical use uses, or you know there are other methods to keep keep your assets offline for long term, but only use the exchange for short term. Uh, usage like remittance, trading, payments, uh, micropayments. Uh, uh, I'm advising the same thing to many people. And I guess beware of crypto scams of people um, offering you great deals that you must act on right now. Have you had any, any scammers pretend to be you? Oh, a lot. Um, yeah every on all the platforms too the most important thing we have to give the right financial education to people right for example if a, a person comes in claiming to know me you know and say i'll give you 20 percent return uh you know risk-free if that if there's such a thing then they i'm sure that person would be giving to their parents their brothers and sisters their siblings their cousins it will not get to you by the time it gets to you, then there's no more good deals, right? Yeah, that's you know the logic. So don't expect too good to be true, you know, deals. Um, and nothing is risk-free. The higher the return, the higher the risk. That's normal. And and don't leverage, like don't buy, don't sell your houses, don't sell your cars, and don't put all eggs in one basket. You know, use the money that you can afford to lose and understand about diversification, you know, all these basic finance, finance, financial education that you, the customers must have. Yeah, on, on that, on diversification, some financial advisors are saying, you should keep about 10% in, in high risk assets and cryptocurrency would be one of those assets. Would you agree with that? Obviously, it's gonna depend on how young you are. You're gonna take more risk if you're younger, than yeah, if you're older and approaching retirement, right? Yeah, I'm gonna. I was gonna say that depends on your age. I think the risk appetite correlates with <laughs> the the age. So if you're younger, you're gonna take more risk, right? Because if it fails, you have the energy to get you know start all over again and have 
a long way to make a long runway to make your money in the future. But if you're retiring, I don't think you should be too risky. I mean, it depends on on how rich you are, I guess. I mean, mm. um, 10% could be a lot for people or could be very little for some someone. Um, I think it's not a one size fits all advice here. Um, but I but if say- you had to pick one number, Kuntop, for the amount of money you should keep in cryptocurrency, would it be around 10% total general ballpark figure? I would say the money that you can afford to lose. So mm. if you can afford to lose 10%, yes. But if not, then I don't know, 1%. I don't know. It depends on the person. Okay. The amount of you, you can afford to lose. Yeah. Getting back to the question of scams and people imitating leaders in the field such as yourself, it's possible that using artificial intelligence, someone could make a video pretending oh, yeah. to be you, right? Has anyone tried to do that yet? Not yet, but I mean, ChatGPT4 is scary, right? Uh, right. The potential of defake and, oh, you know, fake news and they can write blogs and post, you know, articles like professional writers and they can generate a fake website and defake people. Oh dear, it's, it's beyond crypto, I think. Every industry is going to be impacted. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's why the use of blockchain would come in, right? Imagine if they can create a Instagram album now, just like the real professional Instagrammers. How do you differentiate between real, real tech photos taken and photo generated by AI? Obviously, you put them on on the blockchain to verify the authenticity of of which uh, material is authentic which material is made up by ai that's that's why you combine different technologies together to filter scam scammers okay you know it's just a lot of work and a lot of stress trying (laughs) to figure out who's trying to scam you right yeah i mean scams scammers are never gonna go away in every generation they're just gonna adopt the latest tools and technology i mean Criminals were the first to adopt automobiles, right? And and telephone was were used to plot conspiracy. I think that's it's the same pattern in the past. Okay, so so finally, um, obviously you can't predict the future. Um, we're in the middle, maybe hopefully towards the end of this crypto winter. What are your I'm going to put you on the spot here, Quintop. What are your expectations for the price of Bitcoin for the rest of 2023? and 24. Just give me your best, most likely and worst case scenarios. Oh, and I think this is the most sensitive question. I don't think I can answer outright um, because I'm a public figure and I should not intervene or influence the public. That's a good way of avoiding the question. I like that. Yeah, but there's a pattern. Uh, usually, you know, Bitcoin having occurred once every four years, and uh, I would say I would urge people to study the historical pattern. But again, big disclaimer: historical data doesn't mean it can fully predict the future with with hundred percent accuracy. So, from that, I'm guessing you're cautiously optimistic that in the next, some people are saying the U.S. presidential election in 2024 particularly early in 2024, which is when U.S. voters tend to make up their minds, um, we could see a a loosening of interest rates, an economic boom, 
And that could be when crypto takes off. Is that possible? So I think two, two things, right? The macro factor is that inflation must be brought back to 2%. And the 2% inflation roadmap is in 24. And they're, they're talking about this. They have been talking about this at Davos for two years now. They're going right. to keep increasing interest rates. And the central bank should not just stick to the course because credibility is important. Uh, so they will do whatever it takes to bring inflation down to 2% by 24. Then the government would probably inject the money back, right? After 2024, that's when uh, the global winter would end. Uh, not just in crypto, but global winter, right? Because the end of liquidity uh, sucking up away from the economy will end, will be ended. And also for the micro factor, Bitcoin halving will occur, if I'm not wrong, in May 24. Um, also, um, so I, I I hope you know things would get better, but. Nobody. That's a billion question, a dollar question you asked there. Right. Very nobody literally. Knows. <laughs> right. yeah, nobody okay. knows. Kuntop, fascinating conversation. Thanks so much for joining me here on Deeper Dive. Thank you so much for having me. So, what are the takeaways? Kuntop warns us not to invest in crypto unless we've got high risk tolerance and we can afford to lose it all. He reminds us to guard our privacy not to repeat passwords across multiple sites and apps, and to store our crypto on hardware wallets, not on exchanges. He's pro-regulation, he says Thailand is quite crypto-friendly, and he doesn't think Thai people care about the loss of privacy and personal control that a central bank digital currency will bring. Finally, he thinks the next crypto boom will come when mainstream financial institutions get involved, and that could be any time in the next five years. So, what do you guys think about crypto? Virtually all the user comments on BangkokPost.com have been negative. Lee NST writes, Investing in a make-believe currency? What could go wrong? Moshe posts, A sucker is born every day and crypto is for suckers. Stupid is as stupid does. BKK Matt writes, use cash whenever and wherever you can. Avoid crypto and digital money. Say no to the cashless society and boycott card-only businesses. Good luck with that crusade, Matt. Owls says, only a clown would invest in crypto. Jason S. writes, it's all good until you lose 10% or more of the value overnight, or you forget the code to your cold wallet, or your online wallet gets hacked. Exactly what benefit does this have over fiat or the current method of payments? Well, I'd say not paying up to 10% of the transaction in foreign currency exchange and other fees is certainly one benefit, Jason, even though very few merchants do accept crypto at this point. Chumpy says, sure, lots of young people who have made huge financial losses with their previous cryptocurrencies are now dying to get back into it, and so the Ponzi schemes continue. And finally, Little Pink writes, I could smell bull markets. Oh no, that's something else on the wind. Amazing. I actually didn't find a single positive crypto comment on BangkokPost.com. I'd love to know what you think of this podcast, and I'd appreciate if you click follow or subscribe and share it too. As always, stay on top of the latest news about Thailand and the world on BangkokPost.com. And see you again soon for another Deeper Dive.